Hi, and welcome to From Many People's Strength, the podcast that covers Saskatchewan politics and current events. My name is Corey, and my pronouns are he and him. And my name is David, and my pronouns are they and that, or he and him. And I guess we have quite a few stories yeah. to cover. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's actually been a busier week or two weeks this session, but it seemed like it. It felt like it, yeah. I, it, it's, I'm going to be honest, it's been a much, much busier two weeks for me in like non-news life. So I haven't been following nearly as closely as, as I should, but I'll, I'll try and give my two cents as much as I can. <laughs> and um, yeah, you're right. There's, there's things seem to be coming pretty fast and furious. So. Yeah. I, I have to admit, like I, at my job, things were really, really busy this last week and I worked an extra day. Like I did my Fitbit and I had no less, <laughs> no less than 20,000 steps every single day. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> That's so, awesome. So I wasn't quite that way. I, I, I I was busy at a new a new job, but my new job involves a lot of sitting at a desk still. So <laughs> less, a lot of mental less on the work. Fitbit. Yeah, a lot but, of mental work though. Yeah, it's, absolutely. But we'll I think we'll we'll still be able to come up with some some thoughts. I think so. I possibly possibly. <laughs> I'm never short on opinion. So <laughs> ideally, right. I will try and make it at least somewhat of an educated opinion. <laughs> start off with this uh, one article from CKOM, SAS credit rating downgraded after bu- provincial budget. Yeah. Uh, so the government will go from a triple A rating to an AA plus, um, which is, I guess, the next highest tier. Yeah. Uh, uh, in Moody's. It's the Moody's credit rating agency. Right. Uh, because there was other downgrades previously. Uh, for other agencies, mm-hmm. uh, they in this article they talked to a professor of economics at the University of Regina, Jason Childs, who talks about. Uh, he says the downgrade isn't a massive change uh, between AAA and AA plus, but if we somehow get hit by a huge inflation or interest rates start to go up uh, because of that inflation, then the gap can widen. I think. Yeah. I think that's a bit speculative. Like uh, if this happens and if this happens, <laughs> then we can see a change, but okay. Yeah. And governments like governments in Western democracies have good credit ratings. Like at the end of yeah. the day, um, governments are a safe borrower. Um, yeah. Are like downgrading to double a plus. Um, like you can tell by the term, <laughs> yeah, it's still, um, it is still Very a safe word. And like, again, this is, this is like when people buy, you know, uh, provincial bonds, like, and, and basically invest in the province there, there's still, it's a, it's a safe form of investing, um, yeah. whether it's individuals or whether it is, uh, like corporate investors or, or institutional investors. So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, it, it's. I don't know if anyone would be surprised by the downgrade. We, you know, COVID has hit. We got downgraded by Standard and Poor's in 2017. Um, like that's like Moody's is arguably the more important of the two, but or of the three because I think we got downgraded by um, DBRS. Um, yeah, that's right. In, in 2020, Star in 2020. So um, these are all things that. You know, 
people I just, like me pay attention to, but I, <laughs> I just had a conversation about uh, this uh, book on MMT uh, okay. uh, with some a uh, guy. Uh, so for my other show, <laughs> so we talked about this MMT and how like it's very U.S. centric, right? And right. it's very like when you have a country, a federal government, often. Uh, there's a lot of focus on the idea of debt and how much each citizen owes for the debt. And it's all a bunch of silliness, really, yeah. uh, for federal governments. But provincial governments owe their money to – they they use the federal currency. So they, they don't quite have the same free reign to spend yeah. as, as a federal government does. True. Whether it's federal or provincial though, like the majority of – like the majority of the debt is domestically held. Like right. when we think about um, like when we think about federal debt or French, like uh, some of this money is owed to me. Like I, I am, <laughs> I am one of the people who, and like a lot of people listening probably are too, whether they realize it or not. If you're invested in a pension, you probably have um, right. yeah. a portion of, of this type of debt because any if you have a mutual fund like or again saskatchewan debt not as much as federal but like if you have some sort of broadly based investment where there's a fixed income portion um sort of fixed income is the terminology for for things like debt um you probably own part of this debt you definitely own part of the federal debt um so it's it's we owe it to ourselves um now (laughs) Which yeah. of us owes it is different, right? Like we all <laughs> yeah. we all collectively share in the owing. We don't all collectively share in the owed to. Right, right. Um, so that you know that makes a difference, and that impacts things like uh, wealth gaps and and whatnot. But um, yeah, the, the, the downgrade is 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 a way of the NDP scoring some political points on the Sask Party. It probably does represent some things the Sask Party could have or should have done differently over the last decade and a chunk. Um, but, um, are we going to be bankrupt because of this? No. Is it going to make our debt cost a little (laughs) bit more in the very long term? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Like the one quote in the article says, uh, what was it? Something about, uh, (laughs) the province is going to have to spend a little bit more because of this. And, uh, I don't, I mean, as far as the individual person in the province, uh, this isn't hurting us actually. (laughs) <laughs> like not right now anyway. yeah and like it is a the the way it hurts is more in that it shifts money upward because the people who owe that own this debt right are more likely to be wealthier to begin with because if you're if you don't have investable income you're not investing in bonds and you're not yeah. buying you're not owing, owning the debt um, so what this means is a greater portion of the taxes you and I pay will go to people with investments and investment yeah. holdings. Um, yeah. so, but again, a lot of that's going to, that some of that will go to middle-class folk as well. Cause again, this is going to be within pensions and it's going to be within, right. um, more lower risk things. You know, this isn't. Hedge funds are not owning. <laughs> right, are not owning provincial debt. <laughs> no, uh, Sask archaeologist says search for children's remains at residential schools will be a long and difficult process, and uh, I think 
this is the kind of thing that is going to take years, right? Like, uh, to find every, every person that has been lost, uh, who has died in this, uh, these schools, uh, officially there are 566 recorded deaths of students at residential schools in the province. Uh, but the Clark, uh, who is an assistant professor of archaeology and anthropology at the University of Saskatchewan, thinks the number will be much higher. And officially, 4,100 children are unaccounted for, although that number could be as high as 6,000. That's a lot of kids that are just unaccounted for. And where they are, where they ended up, it's, I guess, we do not know at this time. That's, it's, it's really disturbing that 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 can happen under you know supposedly under the government or like these institutional watches that are supposed to care for these children uh i don't Caring i don't know for these children was never the goal like, no that's true yeah like, that's true. i think that that was about as and, and you know what we i don't even think that was the superficial goal at any point i don't know if at any point anyone believed that this was actually about caring for them maybe maybe people not involved but this was this was very um, yeah, o- that's overtly right. about um, colonialism and assimilation. This was yeah. the, the idea of kill the Indian, save the child. Um, and if you have to kill the child as well, so be it. Um, right. Like that, that was the mentality of these schools. Um, and that's how you get like that many unaccounted for children because nobody was watching for that, right? Like they discarded them as though they didn't matter and and over and i wish i had the exact numbers again but i believe it was in world war ii the the mortality rate of a soldier on the front lines in world war ii was one out of 25 over the lifetime of residential schools it was one in 24 right so going to a residential school was more deadly for these children than a soldier on the front lines of world war ii so and that's that's spread out over the entire history of it, and there were ebbs and flows. There's there are thoughts that it was as much as one in two in the first fifty years, right? So yeah, a like 50-50 chance of living. That's when uh, I was discussing the Kamloops school, uh, and two hundred and fifteen kids found, and that school was only open for seventy nine years, which is. A re- like that's an insane ratio of kids yeah. dying every year. Like, yeah. so yeah, no, it, it. Oh, and like, like <laughs> there okay. we go. Right. <laughs> and and again, that's like we found two hundred and fifteen in Kamloops. That there's that's probably not everyone, right? Yeah, right. There were probably other deaths that weren't within that weren't even found then. Uh, within the 215. So um, I, I think this is going to be a long, arduous process. I think there's going to be a lot more, a lot more pain before we move into healing, uh, but there has to be. Um, yep. And every time I hear another story, um, like as I always think of the, the Malcolm X anecdote, and I won't be able to quote it directly again, and he told it a number of times, but the idea of if you sink a knife into my back nine inches, um, and you pull it out three inches. That's that's not healing. Like that's yeah. not um, that's not moving forward, right? Like we, yeah. you're not actually healing until the knife is all the way pulled out and the wound is dressed. And like 
and I, I, again, I'm, I'm misquoting Malcolm X, but I think he goes on to basically say, and most white folk aren't even admitting that the knife is there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I think we're, as a country, white people are finally starting to see that the knife is there. And even that, you still have people denying that the knife is there. Yeah. Um, which I, 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 I am flabbergasted by. I'm baffled by a lot of reactions to um, indigenous issues um, by white people within Canada, but the the inability to even see the problem is so mind blowing um, that I, I, I almost can't comprehend how that level of willful ignorance is possible. Yeah, um, but it, it apparently is, and hopefully um, those those of us who are seeing it can do what we can to move forward and and start working on actual healing um you know put pressure to it, it seems so simple but like just get freaking clean water to yeah. everyone who lives in this country like there, there's no reason anyone within the borders of this country should not have clean water period full stop no excuse um, i do not care how much it costs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this and, is and, basic. And Singh talked about that, right? He, he, he had that. Someone was asking about that, and he just said, "This is a bullshit question. We would never ask that question um, if it was Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal." And within this problem, we would never ask that question if it happened in Wisconsin or right. around the university in Saskatoon. I, I don't know where the wealthier neighborhoods are in Saskatoon, but like. Eh. Yeah, we would never ask these questions if it happened in Regina or Saskatoon or Moose Jaw. No. Um, you know, a people living in a in a, a small town in Saskatchewan that was predominantly white would never ask that question of their city council if they themselves had contaminated water. Yeah. Um, yeah, they would just say, "Get us clean water." Fix it. The end. Fix it. Period. Full stop. That has, like that. That is a like. We're talking about one of the pivotal cornerstones of living in a society going back three thousand years, four thousand years. Like this is literally. You look to ancient civilizations and why they formed. Access to clean, potable water is a like literally cornerstone of existing. Yeah. Um, so, but and, and and again, this is. I don't say it's off topic, but it's expanding the topic to more than just this article. But, yeah, um, it's uh, it makes me think because in Regina we do have like lead pipes or whatever, right, in the cathedral area. And there's as soon as they discovered that this was a situation that was uh, at hand, they put a plan into action to try and fix it. And yes, of course. As bureaucracies sometimes do, they hum and haw, and it's going to take X number of years to fix everything. But they've got all these other plans in place in the meantime, like uh, free bottled water and, you know, stuff like that <laughs> to just, you know, to make up for the fact that there's not clean drinking water in this area of the city. And the idea that you don't have these same exact uh, programs and and issues like ways of dealing with the problem on reserves is it's absurd, it, but <laughs> it is. It, it's all right. I, I yeah. Oh, you're still. I'm sure. 
I'm sure we will continue talking about this as you know similar stories come up. It, it is it is unconscionable. Um, yeah, and, and I, I I think we would just run in circles continuing to talk about it at this point because I. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we'll just repeat ourselves, but I, I am glad there is. Um, but er, seems every time, like <laughs> yeah, every time that we uh, uh, see another situation where somebody is doesn't have clean drinking water and then gets it, the, it dealt with, I think it, it's valuable to bring yeah. up when this is the case, right? Yeah. Sask Auditor's report says it's time to start using enforcement on non-compliant cannabis stores. That's just the headline. This article is like. It goes through a few of the recommendations from the yeah. uh, auditor. Um, I, I got to admit, but the combination of headline and like subheadline, <laughs> yes, that's quite is good. the weirdest combination. So for those who are listening rather than watching, the headline Sask Auditor Report says it's time to start using enforcement on non-compliant cannabis stores. The subheadline, which is supposed to be talking about a different part of the auditor report but it doesn't (laughs) say that improvements also needed to help preschool aged and kindergarten aged children succeed (laughs) (laughs) it does imply that the two are linked that does imply the two are linked that's the editor may want to take a look at how that is presented um yeah (laughs) but anyways that's that is an editing issue and not actually the story part. So, um, no, I did have to read it a couple times though, because at first I was like, what? Wait, how, why do we want kindergartners getting more access to pot? That seems not the thing we want to do. Yeah, it seems like the opposite. But. Are kindergartners opening up head shops now? I don't understand. <laughs> Where did they get the investment capital? That's just, <laughs> they're white and have rich parents. Yes, that's um, right. That's how you all do right, it. So, yeah auditor's report um again i don't know how much we want to dig into this um yeah it's just uh there's a few things that need improving in the province according to the auditor um and it'll be her last this was would be her last audit um, right auditor's report she's she's her term is done so um it it's not a good report for the government no uh, auditors reports rarely are though that like get to give them a little bit of right to be fair yeah. um it's it's pretty rare for an auditor's report to be glowing yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah if they're underfunding health they're not enforcing their own rules when it comes to pot shops um we're not doing what we should be on on early learning yeah. um like we need to reduce short-term remand. Like it, if you go through the article, it, it's, I don't think you're going to be surprised by anything no. in here. I'm sure most of this is things that you and I have said before, um, both for philosophically and economically. Right. Um, it's strange how conservatives pitch themselves as the fiscally responsible ones while at the same time, wasting tons of money on, um, ideological things that have been proven to not work. Yeah. Um, but. And then they go and get us downgraded for our credit. <laughs> <laughs> but like, again, the short term remand, right? Like it's, yeah. um, we're spending a lot of money on, on things that don't work. Right. Um, like, and that's, it's ethically, well, I, I would argue within my moral framework, it is, 
like an immoral thing we are doing or an unethical thing that we do, but even within um, a more centrist philosophy, you, you, I, I would I would still say it is ethically questionable at best. Right. Yeah. Um, and also, we know it is expensive. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, shouldn't be putting people in cages. Like, unless literally someone's life is in danger or is needed for public safety. Humans yeah. in cages, it's not. A and then it should be very, very temporary. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, if we, yeah, I, I don't know what, what, what more to say. It's we don't spend enough on healthcare. We don't spend enough on early childhood education. And Which is, yeah, we knew this stuff, right? Like, we knew this. And essentially one of the other things, um, not so much with the pot part, but the, all of the others, the consistent underlying um, philosophy, I don't know what the term to use would be, um, the underlying complaint um, issue raised by the other, is we it's skimping on prevention and paying for it in the back end with right. having to, to address the issues. Like, you know, every dollar you spend on early childhood education saves you multiple dollars down the road. Yeah. Like... Uh, same with preventative health care um, and same with uh, rehabilitative justice rather than carceral justice. Like all yeah. of these things are ways of spending small amounts on prevention to save large amounts on cure. Um, and we don't do it. Um, and again, it's a, this is an auditor. This isn't some left wing um, social justice warrior uh, snowflake. This is someone who, like auditors are renowned for being boring people. Um, I don't know her personally, obviously, but like this is the most boring way of analyzing government performance possible. It's an auditor's report, right? And There's even no they're saying the same thing. No, um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, arguably one of the the best auditors in the province. That's why she's in the position she's in. And yeah, yep. It, it, it's we need to I, either we need to, we, we, in one way or another we need to get a government who understands that investment pays dividends either by this government figuring it out on their own or changing governments at some yeah, point to yeah. one that does regina needs 24 cannabis stores to disrupt the black market according to a city report yeah. uh so apparently the pot market in regina is still uh or the black market pot market is still thriving <laughs> of course <laughs> so, it is of course yeah i don't know i think we've talked about this before like we're boring old guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, we go to the store because it's easy. It's yeah. the way it works. But I haven't. Yeah, I, I I will admit I have not bought pot in probably close to two years or more. Okay. Yeah. Um. It, I am. I have not been partake. Well, I didn't partake at all over COVID. Um. So I would probably more than two years because it was the last time I partake partook. Partucking um, <laughs> would have been would have been four twenty back in uh, twenty nineteen, I guess. Okay. Um, so, um, but yeah, I'm I, I'm even extra boring. But yeah, it's yeah, it's people people want to go to their old dealer. Yeah, and it's easier right. and easier and cheaper, and they don't run out and they have what you want. Yeah, and if if you have a relationship there, then that's a thing that you know works as well. Where you go to a, like a a store, like even like the ones that I like, they're they're very corporatized, right? Like there's they've got a rigid yeah. kind of outlay. You can tell it's a store, it's a shop. It's not a yeah. 
<laughs> it's not your buddy's house, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. No, and I, I, like so many things, I think the important part is, you know, and it probably won't happen, but if you're, if you're more than doubling the number of stores in the city, um, who's getting those licenses and who's allowed to open it. Um, yeah. I would certainly, um, I would certainly like to see communities that have been disproportionately impacted by criminalization of drug use in the past be yep. given access to licensing in order to compensate for the disproportionate punishment they've received under pre-legalization yep. um, formats or regimes or however you want to call it. Um, I doubt that will happen. I'm guessing it will be freaking shoppers drug mart at some point. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's going to be something silly like. Sobeys. Sobeys. <laughs> You'll just have to pick it up when you pick up your beer. So, <laughs> which you know that that probably is where you're gonna you're gonna see things in thirty years, um, yeah, twenty years even. Um, in the meantime, like I said, I, I would very much like to see um, people from marginalized communities who are, like I said, disproportionately impacted by drug criminalization in the past be allowed to receive this licensing. Um, yeah, but we 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 are pretty certain that that won't be what happens no it'll be some kind of paid lottery or some death <laughs> so uh so evan penner arrest investigation one year after the event um there are five civilians to review findings of a probe into a violent july 2020 arrest uh evan penner who is from manitoba is a 27 is a 27 year old cree man and he was arrested in Saskatoon. And a video showed Penner was being punched, pepper sprayed, and tasered. Which advocates say the level of force was excessive and called for the swift firing of the officers involved. And, I mean, when you're doing all three, that seems pretty excessive, right? Mm -hmm. There's no reason for you to be tasered and pepper sprayed or punched as well. Like, okay... But so we're having a, a five civilian commissioners were expected to do their final review. Uh, so they've come to a full, we welcome a full and transparent investigation by the PCC and will continue to do so in the future, said Chris Rhodes, the new president of the Saskatoon Police Association, which I, I don't know. Will anybody face any consequences? Even if they find fault, well, like they don't, my understanding is this commission has no actual disciplinary authority. Right. They can do investigations. They can find a finding. They can give a report. And then when all is said and done, the police chief is still the one who decides. It's still it's still settled internally. Yeah, that's right. Um, and if he does punish them, as we saw in Regina, the, the cops will still be allowed to appeal. Yep. Um, the union will fight for the offending officers, yep. even as the representative says that they abide, like they are supportive of this transparent investigation. These unions, they always talk a good game. Uh, police unions are never actually uh, helpful when it comes to this stuff. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, and it's <laughs> pretty much these complaints are never like. Out of 186, 11, um, out of 186 complaints in uh, what window of time was it? I think from April 1st of 2019, in a, in a one-year time span, right. 11 out of 186 
were, were considered substantiated and most were thrown out in one way or another. Which is absurd, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. 51 are still underway. So Okay. So, I mean, that's something. So, I guess that's not. So, that would be 11 out of 130 something if we're not. Kidding. Right. If you take the uh, 51 out of the denominator. Wow. 42 were found, were unfounded. 20 were withdrawn. 43 did not support further investigation. 13 were resolved. What? So I don't know what resolved yeah, compared to Yeah, I don't know what that means. My guess is resolved would mean before they found the point where there was a substantiated or not, whoever the complainant was, agreed with something. Right, right. Yeah, like something, like you say, 20 were withdrawn under what circumstances? What was the reason for the withdrawal? Like, it just a little bit more transparency. This doesn't. Uh, this looks like an attempt at placating critics, not not tra- actual true transparency. But yeah. I've been again, told. I've been told that I'm overly critical of the police sometimes. So, okay. Like I, <laughs> I still go back to what other job would not face this, like would, would not face 10 times this level of scrutiny. Oh yeah. No, you're right. Right. Um, it, like if you had an unruly and disruptive customer in any retail store and a store clerk came at them, um, <laughs> right. Pepper spray <laughs> punching. And, and a taser. Uh, nope. You don't yeah. get to do that. No. Um, and, and like, uh, yeah, it, it's, or being rude to a customer gets you fired from most jobs, right? Like it yeah. is the level of um, the level of protection from misconduct. Um, and again, it's it's why if if it's only a few bad apples, why are we not seeing every single other member of the police force standing up and demanding that these yeah. commissions be more strict? That like that that the bad apples be dealt with more harshly. Like why, why don't we see that? Why don't, why doesn't every single other member of that police force come forward and say, this is unacceptable behavior. Um, We will not tolerate this within our force. Yeah. It's almost like it's, it's almost like it's not just one or two bad apples. And and like, (laughs) it's always, um, it's always saying to the public, oh, that's not who we are. That's not us. As opposed to saying to the offender, hey, that's not who we are. Like, it's who are you talking to when you say that's not who we are? Yeah, yeah. Is are you are you making an excuse and trying to defend yourself, or are you speaking out against what's actually happening and demanding consequences for those who behave this way? Yeah. Because again, these are the ones that get caught. Like this was on videotape. Right. This isn't yeah. even this like. This doesn't even speak to the ones that are not on videotape. Sask RCMP hire two psychiatric nurses to aid in crisis intervention. The nurses, both trained in psychiatric care, will provide intervention, assessment, support, recommendations, and referrals to residents in Saskatchewan experiencing a mental health or addiction crisis. Mm-hmm. As part of a 12-month pilot project, the Saskatchewan RCMP has hired two psychiatric nurses at its operational communication center to support people in crisis. This is a move that I I I agree with the action. I I don't think that it's enough. Like two isn't going to yeah. cover the whole province. I guess it's a pilot project, but 
huh? anything that reduces the number of police involved in any situation is yeah. good. So, yeah. And like perfect world, instead of this money going, instead of the money going to the RCMP and then the RCMP hires these psychiatric nurses, I'd rather that exact same amount of money not go to the RCMP and just hire psychiatric nurses. Right. Like, yeah. why are we like, I, I would why rather are they the middle, <laughs> I would rather the RCMP not get their taste. Um, yeah, that's right? right. Like it's, um, but again, it, like it's, it's good. Um, it's like, it, it's, I don't know. It's like the mafia running a soup kitchen. Like the soup kitchen is great. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, do you really want, yeah. Um, do you really want people who you, who, who abuse their power and use violence to solve their problems to be the ones that are ultimately holding the purse strings of this good program. Right. Um, and like, again, maybe this is where, where that, you know, we are too critical facet comes in. <laughs> um, it, like it's, it's good. Like, don't get me wrong. It, it is a, it is a good thing that you have problem, less problems being solved with, um, angry people with guns and more problems being solved with trained professionals who are actually qualified to deal with those problems. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? Maybe this is the beginning of a path that proves us wrong. Right. Um, I, I've like folks, like I would you and be I, open to that. <laughs> folks like you and I have been saying one of the reasons we argue for defunding is reform hasn't been working. We've been calling for reform for 50 years and reform hasn't, been able to work so let's scrap the system that's broken and yep. recreate something new with law enforcement being a, a small portion of a larger functionality um, but if you can prove that that's not needed by making the current system actually function properly more power to you i'd, I'd, yep. I'd love to be proven wrong on this one yep. so you know, yep. hopefully this that's is right. a step in a step towards proving proving us wrong because if less people die, if less people are harmed, if more people get mental health care, I'll jump up and down and shout that I'm wrong from the middle of Albert Street if that's what ends up happening. I have no problem with that. So. Yep, that's right. Not up to snuff. This is from Press Progress, so uh, I know right away. <laughs> I know right away that any conservative person that might accidentally listen to our show. <laughs> it's the Fox News of the left. Like they, they certainly they have us. Uh, they have us a, a slight bent for sure. Similar, similar to Fox News when they're actually reporting on news, they're usually fairly accurate. When they're actually talking just right. facts, as soon as they start edi editorializing, they get a little creative. Yeah. Um, so we'll, they do we'll take like that. to be critical of uh, right conservative uh, parties yeah. and governments. But Saskatchewan's lack of a provincial distance education policy has made learning challenging for many students during the pandemic. Education experts agree, according to this article in Press Progress. Um, I think that this is, I think that that is a fair statement, just as a parent's, from a parent's perspective. I think uh, our, our education boards were not given the appropriate uh tools and funding to do things the way they needed to be done to keep everybody out of the schools. And I think that was because we had a, a provincial government that thought 
we need to send kids back to schools. Like they started off from that perspective and yeah. didn't really have any room for wiggle, right? Yeah. We also had a provincial government that really – that likes to tell school divisions what they can and cannot do, but sure <laughs> as fuck doesn't like taking the blame. So she's right. very, very much fine with when things are complicated, then being like, oh, no, you guys figure it out. Um, yeah. And what I'll, I guess the other thing I'll say, again, this speaks to the press progress piece. It's not like Saskatchewan is the only conservative government in this country. Like, they are not just saying the SAS party did badly. They are saying they did the worst in the country, which means they also did the worst out of any of the other conservative governments. So um, I'm sure I'm sure I have some left-wing friends in Alberta who would right. say, no, they didn't. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, there's quite a few. There's quite a few conservative premiers right now. Um, yeah. And, um, and yeah, and, and Saskatchewan seem to be the ones that – sort of drop the ball the most. And again, I think part of it was confusion. Like they just, there wasn't a plan. There right. wasn't a, a, a top down systematic strategy for approaching things. Um, one of the arguments Scott Moe said during the election debate um, was the idea that the province is too diverse. We've got, you know, the two, it's too different in different parts of this province <laughs> to have a systematic um you know, province-wide approach, so we couldn't, and da, da, da. Um, right. Which, like, I don't know. Like, has his base not traveled to other parts of the country? <laughs> because it's possible that some of them haven't. Uh, probably they haven't. But like, I'm sorry, small town northern Ontario compared to Toronto probably is has a greater differential of community differences than Regina and small town Saskatchewan does. Like, yeah. like that, that difference is significantly greater than the yeah. difference between, you know, Regina and Humboldt or Humboldt and um, a, 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 a rural and like an RM where it's multiple small communities coming to a single right. school. Right. Um, like, <laughs> Other provinces also have rural-urban divides and sometimes even greater ones. Yeah. Um, if for no other reason, then the urban is more urban than our urban. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah. um, but in any case, it's, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a province-wide strategy. We didn't really have something. And I'll take my hat off to every single teacher and administrator in this province who did the best they could with a shitty situation. Um, I'd almost be willing to even give the government a I don't say a pass, but <laughs> give them a lot of leeway because I, you know, in spite of everything I just said, they were still put in a shitty spot, like dealing with COVID. No one, like, yeah, yeah, it, it no one easy. knew the right answer a year and a half ago. Um, I like, I remember, I, I love to maybe go back and listen to some of what we were talking about, and you know, when we first started this podcast about how long we thought some of this shit would happen. Um, we were already well into COVID by the time we started it, but yeah. even still, like <sighs> March, April, May of 2020, I don't know if people were expecting the like schools to be intermittently open and closed in the spring right. of 2021. Yeah, no, I think um, that's accurate. So, yeah, but it. I, the key, sorry, the key takeaway 
Just figure it out for next time now. <laughs> yes. Don't right. wait until next time happens. Figure it out for next time before next time. Yeah. Um, I think it has to be the key takeaway. And similar to what I was saying on the economic stuff, either this government needs to figure out how to be the government who can do that, or we need to elect a government that can do that. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I interrupted you there with my... my oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, I, I have uh, three children that go to different schools in different divisions. And uh, the French school division seemed very back and forth, off and on a lot. Uh, my son's school is a high school in Regina. And they see they, the system they had where they divided the, the year into five, uh, some like quints, they called it, and rather than semesters with just a morning class and an afternoon class. It seemed very, I don't know. I thought that it was amazing, honestly, the, the idea of it. And I thought it could have worked really well if there hadn't been the odd shutdown, you know, and then they had to go to every second day. So, so it kind of messed with it a bit, but. I thought some some of these school boards they came up with really innovative ideas about how to uh, deal with the situation given the uh, what they were given as tools. Oh yeah, again and so, um, so and there's going to be some in, like some teachers will have done better than others because some teachers are going to be more proficient with technology than others. But yep. this was. You know, it's not an easy year for teachers. Not an easy year for anyone. Um, no, so again, no. I give a lot of give a lot of leeway. But where I, again, where I won't give leeway is in six months from now. If someone says, "Hey, what do you have in place for next time?" and when some politician starts talking out their ass, going, "Oh, well, let's not worry about that right now. This isn't, <laughs> the, right, this isn't the right time to be talking about that." We're just getting over the old pandemic. Why would we we start? <laughs> two stories. I don't know if you want to maybe talk about them both. The yeah, there's, they're related here. So first we have a homophobic, related. homophobic incident at Saskatoon rainbow crosswalk. Uh, so shows the need for pride says transgender man. Um, Logan Roberts was painting pride crosswalks on Wednesday night. And, uh, there was people driving by honking, uh, like there was a lot of support, but also there was a lot of there was some hate, yeah, thrown their way, which is yep. We still live in a world where uh, I guess just leaving people to be who they are isn't good enough. So there's that, and then related, the Swift Current Rainbow Crosswalk was also vandalized, and and this uh, they say this is. Uh, damaged yearly. Uh, so this is not a new situation. They've received a, a good support from the community after this, but people like to, they see a, a rainbow crosswalk and decide that they need to spin their tires out on it, I guess. And, and disrupt the painting in one spot. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it sucks. Yeah. Um, I was involved. Uh, I talked about, you know how this last two weeks has been a busy two weeks. It, it kind of a, it was kind of a blur for me because, like, I was in the middle of doing Pride stuff in Regina right. in the last over the last two weeks as well. That was part of part of my uh, adventures with, with all this going on. But um, and in Regina, we were mostly lucky we didn't have that. There was one um, at the provincial flag raising. There was a a gentleman show up um, who 
I don't know if his intent was to disrupt. It certainly seemed like it. He was um, talk. He was spreading a bunch of anti-mask propaganda as well at the beginning. Um, okay. But by the time the flag raising actually started, he had wandered off. So I don't know if he was just got bored waiting for us to start. But he, he certainly appeared to have been there to cause trouble. And he was one of the people um, who had caused issues um, a, a couple months ago with with the the church um, when there was the oh okay yeah, yeah that was going on so the issue with the, the homophobic pastor and all that so he was he, he was around um but it, again it speaks people always say like what do you have to be proud of it's just how you're born like it, it don't be you you're not doing anything you're just you're born and like it's not about being proud of just plain being queer it's about surviving in the face of adversity it's about having to deal with this shit and still being open and still living your true life and it's like that's the part that people are proud about and that's where this why we, it's still needed i mean we just had a big deal in our regina city council yeah. over banning conversion therapy yeah. like there was a, a uh of course pride like pride still needs to exist because we still have onslaughts of people who are willing to fight against the rights of LGBTQ yeah. community. So, and this is, this is a little, not so much directly related to the stories, but I will, I will certainly say um, at the city flag raising, um, there were a number, probably some of the best speeches I've heard at a pride um, ceremony ever. Um, and the mayor stepped up like Sandra masters was someone that you and I both were, on the fence about during the election. We weren't sure um, what type of mayor she would be. And I think the jury's still out on a couple areas. (laughs) Um, But when it comes to this topic, she did not pull punches in her speech. Um, She's done a pretty damn good job of living allyship rather than just talking it. So um, at this point, (laughs) according to my queer ass, um, (laughs) uh, she's now moved into the, um, into that category of like trust is the wrong, but like trusted until she's not, as opposed to not trusted until she is. Like right, it, right. It, it's there's a there's that <laughs> there's that line that's been crossed in some ways. So um, yeah, that's good. you know, there's positive things that have you know that are that are coming out too, and there's positive change. And even these stories, they do talk about how when these things happen, the community does rally, and yeah, people yeah. like people are are. are pretty pretty united now that the open overt blatant shit ain't gonna fly no more so yeah. that's that's a step in the right direction too so yeah I'll, I'll i'll end with at least some of the the positive stuff tribal chief and saskatoon mayor moved to rename john a mcdonald road this is good yeah get the john a mcdonald name out of everybody's way yep Sure, there'll be a bunch of people who didn't care before, but will now be angry. Of course, of um, course. Why wouldn't? So. <laughs> why would they? Why would they have cared before? They they didn't have to care, right? No. Yeah. Um, there's not much extra to this. It's it's just really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's like we've talked about this type of thing before as well. Like. It shouldn't be a big deal if there's something that's problematic and they're fixing it. It's, it's it's like if you see a pothole and the city goes, the city gets called out to fix a pothole. 
and they fill it. That should be the end of it. Someone said, hey, there's a pothole. And the city goes, okay. They send the road crews out, and then the pothole's gone. <laughs> That's the level to which this should be. Yeah. The only problem is you're going to have a bunch of people really angry, because how will we remember that there's potholes in roads sometimes if you don't <laughs> leave that pothole there? <laughs> That how one I, I remember. How can I drive safe? How can people be accepted, <laughs> expected to drive safely and remember that there are potholes in the road if you don't leave the potholes there? It, so that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my silly analogy of the day. <laughs> it's probably the stupidest analogy I've ever come, come up with, but maybe the uh, most apt. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it definitely it's, – it's worth it. It works. Saskatoon Board of Education – is frustrated but determined after the approval of the 2021-22 budget. Yeah. We discussed this in the auditing section of the show and uh, with the yeah. de- uh, everything like the credit rating change, we're underfunding our education system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I think we can. Yeah. I think this is encapsulated. They talk about some of the other things as well. Um, talk sites. But again, it's the same, it's the same general thing. It's, Let's skimp on prevention and then just pour more money into cops to arrest people rather than create systems where people don't need to be arrested in the first place. Yeah, exactly. It's so frustrating. It's from CTV News. It's so frustrating. More people sleeping outside in Saskatoon, community support officers say. Uh, So frontline services in Saskatoon are reporting an increase in the number of people sleeping outside and refusing to use Various housing organizations in the city. Um, I mean, it's nice now. So you're going to have uh, people without homes who are more inclined to sleep outdoors if they feel comfortable doing that. I'm not sure about the housing uh, organizations in the city. Like uh, if there's various criteria that people don't meet so then they don't even bother going to uh, 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 a shelter or what have you, <clears throat> you know, stuff like that. I, uh, they talk to uh, Stylus Assiniboine, uh, says he's been homeless since he was released from jail around two months ago, and that he's currently trying to kick his addiction to crystal meth, but finds it difficult to sober up and secure safe housing. Uh my he says my addiction is a problem because it makes me think people are judging me and they don't want to help me and that's that's a fair assessment of the situation like even organizations that are intended to help people with addictions sometimes a person can feel judged and this is something that you know people who are living without homes deal with regularly yeah um i was gonna say i don't know the solution but i do like it's like we know housing first solutions work um and actually providing um indefinite housing um say permanent housing even um as opposed to a shelter bed um yeah yeah like this this isn't people turning down a home this isn't people turning down um housing this is people turning down a shelter bed for the night yeah um which is like you say like if you don't feel comfortable in the shelter, I, I know. Yeah. Okay, a little bit of personal s- story. My brother uh, has schizophrenia, and so he has been homeless many times throughout his life. And I'm, I'm currently not even sure where he's at, but 
often he would not feel safe in a shelter because of his mental illness. And there are many people that have similar situations that are like that, where you just don't feel safe. So, I don't know. Yeah. Housing and first. Housing first, yeah. And it's if you, go, if you go to the Community Support Program website, I'm trying to figure out a bit more of what they are because they use a lot of language that skirts the edge of saying they are not part of the police force. Um, right, right. They, they, they refer to themselves as civilian officers. Um, so I'm not sure officers of what. Mm-hmm. So, and, and like their logo looks very much like a police department logo, okay. but they don't say they are a division of the Saskatoon police force so i don't know if they are or not um so i'm mm-hmm. i'm yeah. a little confused by that um because again if if they are if they are a part of their cops the police force if they're cops then i can also see why yeah there like, would be a lack of trust about going with them yeah yeah, like I just I just brought up the website and like hey, hey. Dude, either their cops or really want to look like cops yeah. without calling themselves cops. Like they really um, just look like cops. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it is a division of the Saskatoon Police Force. It, it, their website is very, I, I would argue, intentionally vague. So I think so. Either they're part of the police force and intentionally trying to do everything they can to not really look like it and not come right out and say we're not the police because they don't want to lie. Or they're cop-ish. Or or they're not cops (laughs) and they're just trying to do the opposite, right? Look as much like cops as they can without saying we're cops, right? Like it's, it's really weird, but I can, again, if you are someone whose existence is already criminalized, I can see why. Yeah. Going with them would not be where you want to, to go. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't want to go with them. <laughs> so. Oh, if you look at their website, they are allowed to they are allowed to function as bylaw enforcement officers. Um, so they are allowed to enforce bicycle bylaw, panhandling bylaw, park usage bylaw, um, spitting, urinating bylaw, um, traffic bylaw. So like jaywalking and skateboarding. So yeah, they're cops. They're cops. So the cops are upset that yeah that people they, don't trust them. That people don't trust them. <laughs> Um, which, yeah. And like go full circle on, on multiple topics today. Right. Like, right. And, oh no, we're finally trying to do something that actually supports people instead of just beating them up. But people don't trust us. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> this, keep doing it for ever. Like I, yeah, like, that's right. And, like, and eventually more and more people will start to trust you, but Maybe not. Like it's start, no one owes you trust. Yeah, that's right. Especially um, like, like this idea that they are allowed to. They're designated by the city of Saskatoon as bylaw enforcement officers for things like panhandling or urinating in public or you know uh, parks usage. Like I don't know. To me, if I'm a, a person whose life is on the street, 
I'm not going to trust these people no matter what, no matter how yeah. long they're there. Yeah. You need to yeah. remove your law enforcement from your support system. <laughs> yeah. If the person who's trying to help you could also arrest, arrest you, you then, yeah. then it's hard to trust them. So. Yeah. Regina Diversity Committee on pause for further consultation after language and makeup concerns raised. Uh, three representatives from Black and Saskatchewan raised concerns about the committee mandate and more. Um, so Regina's executive committee voted to not approve a diversity committee and instead sent the idea for more consultation after Black and Saskatchewan raised concerns over the process, language, and makeup. So I suspect uh, there wasn't enough diversity on the diversity committee. <laughs> and this caused them to miss some things. And uh, yeah, until another, an outside organization <laughs> brought it to their attention. Yeah. And things like the committee needs to explicitly address racism. Like, yes, that. <laughs> that's what that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we see that though, the, the watering down of language. There, there's, this is me coming after liberals. So I know how much you love that <laughs> um, as opposed to leftists. So uh, there is a liberal tendency to water down the language, yeah. um, to, to, turn, uh, to turn pink shirt day into an anti-bullying day as opposed to one that specifically addresses homophobic bullying, to take messages that are explicitly meant to deal with anti-black racism and turn them into um, everybody's equal. Um, which feel really good on the surface because they're, but they don't actually address the underlying issues, right? They feel like they are, and they allow, um, they, they allow this idea that the process and, and, and whatnot is, is going in the right direction. But yeah, um, yeah like it, it's, you, you need to, you need to address <laughs> problems. You, you don't like, you don't bring someone into the ER at a hospital with a broken leg and have a doctor say, well, every body part is important to look at. Um, <laughs> right. like, like you address the broken leg and sure. Yeah. You look to see what, what are some causes of that? You look to see what other parts of the body got impacted. You know, when the leg yep. broke, did the, did he roll over on the ankle and sprain an ankle at the same time? Yep. Was there a blood clot that may cause heart issues down the road? Like you still look at other things. Um, but you really got to focus on that leg. <laughs> yeah, you really got to focus on that leg. And, um, you know, I think they're talking about how the, they're proposing the committee's 15 people. Um, having at least two people on the committee be black seems like a reasonable request for a committee dealing with diversity. Yeah. Um, now, we have other marginalized groups within the city as well um, that need to be, you know, need to be looked at. And, and how do you, you want to make sure you're not having one person who represents seven different communities because of intersectional identities um, right. and, and, and go, okay, we have one person who is black and queer and a woman. So now that counts like, right. As all three, <laughs> like to, to some extent it, it will, but you just make sure it is, it's well-rounded as well. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do you have multiple voices? Do you have multiple sets of eyes that can see a, a lived experience that others can't see? Because I'd like to think I am fairly well versed on diversity issues, social justice issues. Like this is a thing I care about. Right. I will never, no matter how much reading I do, no matter how many BLM rallies I attend or help organize or whatnot, I'm never going to have the lived experience of 
being black. That is right. a lived experience I will never have, which is why I, you know, when it comes to that issue, I try very hard when I'm in someone else's space to elevate that voice. Yeah. And then when I'm in my own space, like a wacky biweekly podcast, that's when I get to talk. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But right. again, on a diversity committee, people who look like me shouldn't be the dominant voice. Um, like, I'm sure it's good to have, you know, a, like, I, if I was on this committee, I could talk about queer issues and what it's like to be bisexual in Regina and, and whatnot, but yeah, we, we can't all look like me. Um, <laughs> anyways, right. I'm, I'm now babbling incoherently. About. Uh, I just, I, th I think it really, uh, your point about the idea that we, no matter how much we read, no matter how much we learn intellectually, we will never have the experience of being an indigenous person or a black person in Canada and dealing with that racism in a personal way. I think that's very important to emphasize because too often you'll say something like that is like, I can't know their experience. And people will say, well, I can read about racism. I can learn about racism. I can know about this stuff. And it's not the same thing. Like you can learn about racism, but if you haven't experienced it, you don't actually understand it in the same way. And right. you need people to, uh, to bring that perspective to you to help, you know, change thing, the system, change the world so that it doesn't happen that way anymore. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm 45 years old. If I, if I had been black by this point in my life, Let's say, you know, you factor out, you know, eight hours a night sleeping, maybe a little bit more when I was a kid or whatever. That's a quarter million hours of lived experience of being who I am. I have a quarter million hours of experience being white. Um, and I, you know, I didn't know I was queer as a kid. So let's cut, chop that in half or two thirds of that. So 150,000 hours of lived experience being queer. Um, so you know what? Sure. If a straight person decides they want to spend 150,000 hours reading and studying what it's like to be queer, then sure. I will say, yes, you know what? At that point, <laughs> it's a lot of hours <laughs> at that point. Yes. You have the same amount of experience as I do. I'll, I'll grant you that. So you put in that 150,000 hours and the same for me for being black. If I put in 150,000 hours or sorry, you're, you're black, you're black from birth, 250,000 yeah. hours, a quarter million hours of study, then maybe like, because if you are black, every single moment of your life is spent being black, is spent understanding that lived experience. Yeah. Um, so no, you can't, like, you cannot read enough to know that. You just cannot generate that much experience without living it. So. Yeah. Uh, so a video of invasive koi fish released in Saskatchewan is making ripples. Uh, <clears throat> yes. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so the koi fish is not native to Saskatchewan and should not be released in the wild. We do not, at the time that uh, I read this, they did not know who actually released the koi. So yeah, it's not, it could be very damaging to the ecology. Uh, don't do that. If you're yeah. a person who has non-indigenous species, uh, do not uh, release them into the wild, please. Speaking of things not to do in the wild, <laughs> great segue. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Also, do not feed the bears. <laughs> don't I release koi. Don't feed bears. I don't feed koi to bears. I can't believe this has to be said. But okay. Do not feed bears and wolves and cougars and coyotes. Um, it's now officially against the law. You shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. But okay. So now there, there's a law. Don't do it. Right. We need just more laws. <laughs> yeah. And, and regulations are written in blood, right? Like, I'm sure yes. someone did something really stupid. And... Oh, yeah, yeah. Said there was an incident. The animal will be put down. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, because somebody decided to feed them, eh? They're not pets. No. <laughs> like, wolves took thousands of years to become domesticated into dogs. This wasn't a you feed them three times and they're a puppy. Yeah. Don't be stupid. Don't be dumb. Um, <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, our, our next, uh, we, it's just a, a tweet from our friend Homefire SK, uh, on True North Radio on Twitter. Uh, Corey Cardinal uh, passed away. He was in prison. He was doing hunger strikes and uh, he has now died. So we, we referred to his story, his articles that he wrote. Uh, when we were discussing uh, prisons during COVID. And uh, yeah, this is, it's a tragic event. I think that's another one of those stories I'm sure we'll talk about more when more more information comes out. So Yeah. But for now, it's just sad. All right. And moving on to Judge Rule Saskatoon City Councilor yeah. Darren Hill should remain in office. Judge agrees with us. Yes. His yeah. brain injury. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This, this, like, this is what we expected the judge to rule. This is what the judge should have ruled. This seemed like it was a yeah no-brainer. This seems like you don't fire people for yeah for getting an injury, getting an injury, or like I don't know about you. Like, I'm sure I have misfiled paperwork at some point. Oh, for sure. And I've handed in paperwork a couple weeks late, um, especially on something that's not a critical piece of paperwork, like. I'm sure I have at some point in my career overlooked something and handed in a piece of paperwork later than I should. How yeah. my boss come tap me on the shoulder and said, Hey Dave, you needed to hand this in two weeks ago. Oh yeah. Sorry. I'll get it done right away. We've all done that. So. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And then Regina Mayor proclaims July as Buffalo history month at the pool and park renaming ceremony. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this is more renaming stuff so that, uh, you know, to kind of help us deal with our past um, and our present mistreatment of Indigenous peoples. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, Saskatchewan's Lieutenant, Lieutenant Mayor, no, sorry, the Lieutenant Governor um, spoke about how he was happy about it as well, um, both being proud of the change because of his office, but also as an Indigenous person. So, again, we filled the problem. There was an issue, got fixed. Should yep. be that simple. That's right. And this is this last one for the quick looks is yeah. not entirely sure what happened here. I don't, there's not a lot of details in the story, but uh, it's uh, from CTV news. One confirmed dead after an early morning house explosion in Saskatoon. This was published on June, June 19th, which was yesterday. Yeah. So I, I am guessing anyone hearing it probably has a, a, a top three thoughts on what caused it. And I'm not going to start speculating publicly on what, I think those top three would be, but um, I'm sure we'll we'll hear more. It it I've it was a 
obliteration though. Like it was, right, yeah. This like was it, not a oh a little you know an explosion that caused some damage. Sometimes you hear the term explosion and you go look at the picture and like oh okay you know a room got wrecked or something. This but was, no, this house got is gone. gone. Yeah. So. And it uh, damaged nearby houses. It said. And, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. And my understanding is it was in a relatively affluent neighborhood as well. Right. Uh, like it, 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 uh, it, we was, they, the neighbors were all saying this is not the type of thing that happens in a neighborhood like this. So, right. Uh, right. So, so we'll, 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 again, we'll see more what happens when more news comes out about what was going on, but I'm sure it'll be a, I'm sure in about three months from now, there'll be a, a small, news story in the corner of a paper somewhere that says, oh, by the way, it's this. Yeah, that's right. All right. SAS Catholic churches delay and reject calls to release internal files on abuser priests because that's what the Catholic church does. Uh, Calls to release internal church records on abuse, residential schools grow following the Kamloops revelations. Um, this talks about uh, Joey Basaraba uh, and his story. He says it, he cries randomly while sitting in his apartment in the shower or out walking because of the trauma he's experienced. He uh, was sexually abused. And yeah, I mean, from the atheist community, we, <laughs> we were following the Catholic Church doing this all over the world for such a long time uh, with the sexual abuse of children. And you combine that with the trauma of the indigenous uh, treatment at residential schools. And you've got basically a horror story. Uh, it's just awful. Like, I, and I, th- I, I find, I find it hard to understand people who still are loyal to the Catholic church, as long as they're, refusing to be accountable for the actions of past uh, people in power. The Catholic church is an organization. I think that's like, I think people forget that sometimes this isn't like a nebulous identity, like Christian or Muslim or Hindu. Like this is a specific organization. Um, I I, like I myself am no longer Christian, um, but like, if someone still has a strong identity as Christian, you know, more power to them. Like, I don't think anyone is saying sure. you need to stop. You need to stop identifying as Christian because of things like this, because that's not an organization that is, that, like, that is you know, more universal as, as far as a form of identity. But if you walk into a Catholic church and put a dollar in the collection plate, you are putting a dollar towards harm. Yep. Like that, even if you're not doing it, and this is what people said about Trump five years ago, even if you didn't vote for him because of the racism and the misogyny, et cetera, et cetera, you're still voting for him in spite of it. Even if you're not putting a dollar in the collection plate because of the child abuse or, or all of these other things, you're still donating in spite of it. Like yeah, that, it Im- that money it implies, goes directly to people. Yeah. It implies that yeah. it's not a, it's not a, a line in the sand for you that right. uh, children have been abused. It's just something that you're going to look or overlook. So I, I it, it's, it's so many levels of problematic. Um, I, I, 
they got let off the hook for the, the settlement money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at some point there needs to be consequences. And I understand governments are, are nervous about implementing them, but it, there comes a point where, you know what, they, the Catholic church got out of paying their share of the residential school settlement um, by using trickery within accounting and loopholes. Right. Um, that's in my mind that when you do that, all bets are off at that point. If you're, if you are literally stealing from children that you abuse, yep. why are we protecting? Yeah. Why are we not using every tool in our arsenal to address that? So. Yeah. I, I, at this point, I don't actually understand why the government hasn't taken further steps uh, in dealing with this. But yeah, no, you're right. The Catholic Church is – there needs to be some consequences. And I, a lot of people wanted to have a lot of hope for Francis. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast. You know, you know a lot of leftists, progressives – liberals, you know, what have you, you know, are rightfully so um, attack and criticize, you know, J.K. Rowling and um, uh, Joss Whedon and various other people. And we, and we talk about them being progressive for the 90s, right? right. They, they, they were progressive in the 90s for the 90s, but they're just not anymore. That's not like they, they – Francis was progressive for the 1890s. Like he right. – like, and we're still giving him credit for that because the last guy was progressive for the 1590s, right? Yeah. Like, sure, that's a big jump sort of in relative terms. Um, like, the last guy was in the Nazi or it was in the Hitler Youth. Like, okay, you're a step up from the dude that was in the Hitler Youth and created a new inquisition to hunt down um, nuns who were too progressive. Like, that's what we're comparing Francis to. Right. Because that's what the last guy was. So, okay, yeah, he's progressive compared to the guy who literally created an inquisition to hunt down progressive nuns and was in the Hitler Youth. Um, but he's still the guy who canonized John the Thirteenth and canonized John Paul the yep. Second. Um, so, like, he's he's the guy who literally declared those who caused some of the greatest harm to be saints. Right? Like it, it, yep. he, he, he's not, he's not the good guy. No. Um, and he's better at seeming nice on the surface, but he's not the good guy. No. And I mean, he's even said like, still said things like, uh, that, uh, same sex couples shouldn't be able allowed to adopt children, stuff like that. Like, like he's still got some really, really archaic views. And that's that's who's the head of the church. And yeah. there's still plenty of people within the church uh, power structure that are not even as progressive as he is. So, yes, we're not we're not the church is, in my opinion, the Catholic Church is an archaic institution that needs to be abolished, much like many other archaic institutions. And yes, continue being a Christian, go to another church, do something else. Don't support the Catholic Church. More Sask First Nations announce efforts to find graves of residential schools. We kind of talked about this in the headlines segment 
but this is specifically the Battlefords Agency, Tribal Chiefs Inc., Star Blanket, Cree Nation, uh, Signal Search Plans. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the thing that I don't really get is why it's up to the people who have suffered at the hands of these schools to go and search for uh, bodies at these schools. Yeah. Agreed. It's, I think, I think I might've read something that it didn't make into the show notes that the Saskatchewan government did dedicate uh, a certain amount of money towards the search though. So that's at least something it's not, it's not what I would consider necessarily enough, but yeah. um, And I, I think, I think what you need to do is talk to the, the tribal chiefs and the band council. You need to talk to the people within the indigenous communities and ask them what their preference would be on who's essentially doing the work. Um, right. Because I, I, I don't know, because I don't know if this comes down to, as you said, why are we having the people who suffer the most having to be the ones who do the heavy lifting? Yeah. Um, conversely, the other the other um, position on this may be, do we really trust anyone other than indigenous communities themselves that's fair. to be looking into this? Yeah, that's um, fair. So I think, you know, find out. And then, like, I don't know. I'm not the person who can know. Um, yeah. But I think you, you speak and say, do, do you want us to take care of the logistics of, of doing the hard, like doing the actual hard work um, and then have you involved or do you want us to provide resources for you to take the lead on this process? Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and it may not be the same from community to community. Right. Um, where, where in a healing process someone is may very well influence that. Um, but I think, again, I think, People like you and me shouldn't be the ones, and and definitely people like Scott Mo shouldn't be the ones. Uh, <laughs> right. And I'm putting myself in the same category as Mo. In this, yeah, right. This yeah, isn't actually right. a slam against Mo. No, it, um, no, it's a uh, we're the white guys in the room. We shouldn't be the one making that call. Yeah, um, we should we should be, we should be giving whatever support is needed, um, and um, and finding out what that support actually should be, um, yeah. and not trying to guess and not trying to project our values onto others as far as what we think they should be doing to investigate this or how they should be investigating it. But yeah, yeah that's my two cents on that. I, I think with that, that's enough for the night. Uh, before we go, happy Father's Day. Thank you to you as <laughs> well. Happy birthday. Thank you. Today was a triple, a triple whammy. It was my, it was Father's Day. It was my birthday and I got my second vaccine today. Wow. Um, so I, that was my birthday present to me. It was getting up early, going down to the drive through zero people in the line this is i guess we're not talking about doing a big COVID update in our podcast but like it was empty i drove in the gate they said there's no one there and they were right i drove literally straight into the wow uh, to the garage pulled right up to a nurse and like i was through in about like seven minutes plus the 15 minutes waiting in the parking lot afterwards and of that seven minutes three minutes of that was shooting the shit with the lady at the kiosk on the way in because she recognized me from my first vaccine. <laughs> so nice. Um, yeah, yeah I, no, I, I was not aware that you could take the Pfizer at one point and then the Moderna for the next. Yeah, I did not know like, that. Like so, everything else in my life, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I reject having to pick one. 
I get both. <laughs> yeah. I oh, buy that's everything. Awesome. <laughs> that's perfect. So, but yeah, no. So again, and it sounds like they're loosening the ages as of tomorrow. So, um, I, I expect those lineups will get a bit bigger now that more people can go. Um, but right. it, it's, if you're I'm listening to this, <laughs> if you're listening to this and only have one vaccine or especially if you only have zero vaccines in you, go get you it. You get can it, do yeah. it now. Yeah. You can definitely do it if you don't have your first. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm still, oh, I'm less than 21 days since my first. So ah, I still okay. have to wait, but. <laughs> tisk, <laughs> right. tisk. No. Yeah. You can find us at anchor.fm slash from many people's. <clears throat> Uh, our Twitter is at SK politics pod. Our Facebook t- page is facebook.com slash from many people's strength pod. You can email us at from many peoples at gmail.com or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash from many peoples. Now only $2. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for tonight. And thank you for joining me. Well, thank you once again for all the work you do on the podcast, Corey. Take care. You too. All right. I think that's, that's, yeah, that is in line with other things we we've talked about already. So I, I was thinking, uh, as I was setting up some of these stories, the same, we do this a lot, actually, <laughs> we talk about the same topics over and over again. And it's not because that's what I'm looking for, right? I, I don't go out looking for social justice articles and, and stuff. This is what just comes across the CBC news feed, right? Right. Or, CKOM or wherever, like, I don't know. I'm not intentionally looking <laughs> to, well, uh, they're news, right? Like it, yeah. it's, we're talking about the news. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we, we have recurring issues. It's not like, it's not like any of these issues are one and done. It's, yeah. They didn't get fixed it, after we talked about them last time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. We, we started this podcast in 2020 and since then, Racism ended. Like, <laughs> the no. police no longer arrest people unjustly. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it makes sense that we continue to talk about issues that continue needing to be talked about. Yeah.